I'm now joined by Jim Henderson from Aristotle Capital Management, who has been the portfolio manager for our North American portfolios since late 2011. Thanks very much for taking the time to join me today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Now, you've done interviews with us on SJP TV for us previously, but you may be a new name to our clients on these recordings. Clearly, Aristotle's got a long and very successful track record of investing. So perhaps you could start by telling us a bit about the history of the organization and your place within it. Sure, yes. I've been a principal and and portfolio manager um, at Aristotle since its inception and then going back gosh, almost 15 years now to the predecessor firm where I've also acted as a research analyst uh, covering various sectors uh, within the market. And as you noted, been a portfolio manager on this strategy for some time. My background is in finance and economics. Uh, earned my uh, chartered financial analyst designation back in 1992 and uh, have been in the industry since. And in terms of your contribution to Aristotle's investment process, clearly Aristotle's got a value orientation to it. What do you think stands Aristotle out as a differentiated manager? Yeah, Chris, as you mentioned, we are we are a value manager. And what that means is that we spend much of our time understanding the businesses that we're investing in, but we don't start or stop our process with valuation. Uh, that's where I think we differ from many other managers that may call themselves value. Valuation is important to us, but the vast majority of the time that we spend from an analytical standpoint is on understanding the businesses, what makes them unique, looking for very high quality businesses where we can identify what we believe to be a clear competitive advantage. And it's a competitive advantage that we believe to be sustainable throughout our investment time horizon. We're, we're very long-term investors, which again, I think differentiates us from some of the short-term thinking uh, that tends to happen in the marketplace. And by taking that long-term approach and, and understanding what, what characterizes the business to be competitive and understanding their business model throughout that time horizon, I think really gives us an advantage. And a couple of points I wanted to pick up on there. You talk about the sort of long-term approach. What does that mean in terms of how long you will tend to hold each stock in the portfolio? Is there an average holding period? Yes. We look initially for a three- to five-year average holding period. When we're looking at kind of long-term trends and long-term business models and long-term demographics, we'll look out as long as 20 years. Now, we understand that the time horizon for our clients might be a bit less than than 20 years, so we'll tend to focus it down to that three- to five-year time horizon. But I point that out because there are some companies that are in the portfolio that have been there for that long. And, and we're hopeful as, as business models continue to improve and we're reevaluating the companies that we own on a daily basis uh, that, you know, we can continue to hold companies for a long period of time. Our turnover is relatively low. We may turn over uh, a quarter of the portfolio in any one year, which, you know, by industry standards is relatively low. And going on to the subject of valuations, clearly you can buy a great business, but if you buy a great business at the wrong valuation, then you're unlikely to yield as an attractive return. Now, with the US market in terms of the S&P 500 trading up or a little bit over the 2000 level, clearly valuations are arguably more stretched than they have been over the past three or four years. I wonder what's your perspective on that? I agree. I think, you know, valuations certainly aren't as compelling as they were, say, in the first quarter of 2009. But it's interesting to note and look at it kind of on a relative basis with some historical perspective. The market, as measured by the Standard Poor's 500 from the depths of despair in the first quarter of 2009, is up some 180% since then, which by historical standards is is a relatively robust recovery coming off of a, of a difficult time. But you also have to put that in perspective and remember that 
the downturn prior to that was equally as severe. The market was off some 60% from you know 2007 through the end of 2008. So that was a very difficult period of time that you know we tend to forget about now that the market's done so well. So when you look at it in the total of of the recovery over that market cycle, this recovery is still a little bit below average. So even though it's done very very well, it's still a little below average. You know, as long as interest rates continue along their relatively low level for some period of time and the economy starts to to you know recover to the extent that the market has, you know, we see no reason why the market can't continue to do well for years to come. And in terms of profit margins, much of the stuff one reads talks about elevated levels of profit margins across the U.S. market in general. How is that reflected in your portfolio? Well, I think that's true. I think you know profitability in, in U.S. corporations has improved, and there's a number of factors that go into that, not the least of which is the lower interest rate environment. And you know, when you go through a difficult period economically, businesses tend to uh, kind of retrench. They get their their balance sheet and income statements in order over that difficult period of time. And much of the profit margin uh, enhancements that we've seen in total has been done through um, expense reductions and headcount reductions and things like that. The top line growth hasn't really recovered to the extent that we have expected to see during this period of time, uh, this far into an economic expansion. So when that starts to you know, pick up some steam, then, you know, again, we see no reason why, you know, profitability standards can't maintain um, where they've been for some time to come. Now, I wanted to go on to talk about a particular sector, the technology sector, yeah. because it, it's clearly very important to, to the, the U.S. market. I wondered if, firstly, I could ask a, a sort of broad view on, on how you perceive technology. Yeah, technology is interesting. It's not the technology sector of 20 years ago. It's much more broad. It, it used to be that, you know, technology companies were really late cycle types of businesses that were driven by the capital expenditures of other businesses. So they had to see their economic health recover before the technology businesses did because they were selling mainly into the enterprise channels. That's not the case anymore. I mean, if you look at some of the businesses that we own in the portfolio, Take eBay, for example. One could argue that they're driven more by consumer spending and maybe even finance through their PayPal division. So their economic drivers are going to be very different from, say, a Texas Instruments, which is selling into the enterprise channel. So it's very, very diverse. It's not necessarily late cycle anymore. There's a number of very exciting things going on in consumer software where we've been able to by a couple of businesses, namely Microsoft and, and Adobe, that are changing their business models and the way that they really sell their software in a cloud-based monthly subscription model that is very new in, into the business and will take some time. Again, our long-term approach will take some time to come to full fruition and may cannibalize their earnings somewhat in the short term as they go through that model, which we're happy to live through and, and understand that, you know, the long-term prospects for those businesses are very strong. You've mentioned Microsoft briefly, Jim. Let's let's talk a bit about Adobe. What are the attractions of Adobe? Well, Adobe is is uh, a very high quality business and has been such for a long period of time. They're they're number one or number two in, in every one of their software offerings and and they've done a complete change in their business model and in, in the way that that they offer their software products to their customers and in the past, they've sold a license to the individual user, say someone who's going to create creative content, going to, going to build websites. They would buy a license to a 
a piece of software like Photoshop. And they do that about every couple of years. And, and as Adobe would improve the product, they would come back out from a marketing standpoint and, and, and offer their software to their clients. They've changed that. There's a couple of flaws in that model. A, the first thing that happens when a piece of software gets out into the domain is uh, it becomes pirated. And there are some statistics that show that, you know, the average user of, of one of an Adobe product, for every one user that's paying for it, there are three that aren't. So uh, that's kind of a flaw in their model. Second, to bring a new piece of software to market, they would have to have a huge marketing staff, create new products that, that were compelling and, and go out and bring those to market. By having this cloud-based subscription model that they've turned to, they can bring new little tweaks to their, their software offerings to market immediately and not have to have the expense of going out and, and convincing their customers that they need to upgrade. The upgrades will be automatic. And second, it doesn't solve the pirating problem, but, but it does mitigate it somewhat as the changes that take place in the software then obsolete the previous models of it. So it's, it's a very new and interesting model. You know, we believe that once it gets it's completely rolled out that there's just a tremendous opportunity for this company to earn returns on equities that they've not seen in the past, to have earnings that they've not seen in the past. And so when we look at it on a normalized earning basis, um, we think the company is extremely attractive. Jim, a really fascinating insight into investing in the US market. Thanks very much for your time. Thank you. Any views and opinions expressed are solely those of the individuals and are subject to change. Where individual securities are mentioned, they do not necessarily represent a specific portfolio holding and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase or sell. Please be aware that past performance is not indicative of future performance. The value of an investment may fall as well as rise and you may get back less than you invested. Returns on equities cannot be guaranteed. Equities do not provide the security of capital characteristic of a deposit with a bank or building society.